this week I have the second interview I did while in Burlington, Vermont a couple of weeks ago. This is with urban explorer Chad Abramovich, who runs the awesome blog Obscure Vermont. There's a link in the show notes. I've been wanting to talk to an urban explorer for a while, and ever since he's been a child, Chad has had a fascination with abandoned places and the stories behind them. I ended up cutting very little of this interview. It was also very interesting. So let's get right into the conversation with Chad. I find is that everyone is sort of different and I have quite a few friends who are also um, explorers as well and you know maybe they're just into abandoned insane asylums or farmhouses uh, you know so everyone can sort of find like their thing that they like to sort of seek out more so and I like a broad spe- spectrum of places I explore because they each I mean that you know they're diverse and they all can tell a different story and give sort of um, a perspective a different perspective on things I, I kind of chuckled when you said abandoned uh, insane asylums <laughs> Did you? and farms because I I was just thinking what uh, an urban explorer dating site would be like. Like, would you like just check those things off? <laughs> <laughs> what are you What are you into? I'm into farmhouses, uh, derelict cars, and <laughs> factories. You should, um, yeah, because I was a part of like a few Facebook groups based on just like different urban explorers coming together in like a group, and you know we'd share photos and we talk about the places that we explored. We talk about ourselves and our experiences, and that was actually a lot of the conversations were just like, oh man, like I'm so into like old rusted cars like this is my favorite and then you'd get someone else to be like oh yeah totally me too and someone's like no man like abandoned asylums are where it's at so it's like it's, <laughs> it's a so, pretty real conversation <laughs> totally actually uh i when i was uh, looking at a website it's called uh, i think it's called uer.ca yeah and uh i've been I, on uer before yeah I, I mean i got there and uh there was someone and he seemed to only be into heights like he didn't actually like break into abandoned places. Oh. He like broke into like giant towers and he was like walking around. Yeah, I noticed that as well. Um, actually, I, I have a few explorer friends up from Montreal and um, I, I don't know. It's just like I think they only seek out locations just because of the heights. And then the post sort of like that cliche shot of like the camera looking down, you know, and there are several, several stories up above like the city. And then there's like their feet dangling. And that's sort of like what they live for. And it's like they didn't post any other locations like uh, photos of the building or anything like just their feet dangling. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, that like that's like horror for me i can't take that me too which is sort of funny actually because a lot of people i think there's like an assumption where if you uh hang out you know so to speak in abandoned buildings like i do air quotes like hang out um you know that you must be like this fearless guy it's like oh i can't believe you hang out in like these you know like dank disgusting locations with collapsing floors and lead paint and you know blah 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 it's like yeah well actually i like i myself don't like heights like i'm actually pretty scared of heights so like you know it goes back to sort of every explorer is different which is really cool so tell me a little bit about uh, what got you into uh, exploring. I mean, uh, I mean, I think earlier we were talking. You said around age twelve, you had your first experience exploring a building. Yeah, around yeah, ages eleven or twelve. Um, there was this abandoned creamery in the hometown, like my old hometown that I grew up in. And I don't know, I was always taken by the building. We used to pass it on car rides and stuff like that, going, you know, running errands with my mother or something. And I'd always like, when we'd go by, I'd always like try to catch a glimpse inside a window or a door. And I'd be fascinated, you know, by just like the stuff that was left inside the building, just like the peeling paint, stuff hanging from the ceiling, maybe like a rusted artifact or something. And I wanted to know more about this world. And 
I guess I never felt like um, I was quote unquote normal. And I really hate the term normal. Like I, I, I don't, you know, there is no such thing as normal, but a lot of people seem to buy into that sort of charade. So a lot of my friends, you know, were trying out for soccer or football and stuff like that. And I was never into sports or anything like that as a kid. I guess I, I, I wanted something different. I was always sort of searching for something to like expand my mind, to inspire me, um, just for something more. And I found that with abandoned buildings. And I remember one day, I had just walked to this old creamery in my hometown. Um, it was just like a boring summer day and I had nothing else going on. And I had followed the railroad tracks and up and just walked inside and I was hooked, you know, ever since. It's so, I mean, it's literally like entering into the mystic. You don't really know what you're going to discover once you get you know, beyond that metaphorical threshold, sort of, you know, what artifacts that you can discover that had been left inside this building and sort of the rate of decay. And every building that you explore is different, which is what I like. It's not sort of like a copy and paced thing um, you get a different experience every time and you can even revisit the same building several times and still get a completely different experience based on this accelerated rate of decay or your mood or the weather um, I find that you know other people also obviously check out these buildings so sometimes you go in and you see like a new maybe a new graffiti tag or something new that wasn't there you know prior that had been stashed there or something like that um, I don't know I just found it endlessly fascinating and I just wanted to learn more about it and I find that these places, I mean, it's like, it's like a museum, the most authentic museum that you can literally, that you can interact with. Um, it, you know, tells you a lot about us, like our history as human beings, you know, like how, like how they built certain things and, um, why they built them, you know, it gives you like a snapshot into like that period of history. Um, and, you know, I think it's great. It's not censored. It's authentic. Um, yeah, I just think it's really awesome. <laughs> and, uh, just, uh, you, the website that you run is called, um, it's called uh, Obscure Vermont. Yes. Uh, what's the website uh, URL for that again? <laughs> well, um, it's urbanpostmortem.wordpress.com. And um, yeah, it's the Urban Postmortem was the original name of my blog. Actually, I when I started it around 2012, it was supposedly I had started it just for um, to talk about my urban explorations and to showcase my photos. But I, I gr it grew beyond that into obscure Vermont because um, I guess I identify with being like a storyteller by nature, and I realized that there's all these at least I, you know the things that I were interested in. Like there was all these amazing things just beyond the world of just abandoned structures, and I had all these pictures and all these you know these stories and I just I wanted to sort of diversify my blog a little bit so it turned into obscure Vermont but WordPress wouldn't let me change the URL <laughs> so that's that's the story behind that and uh, and just to like get into that I mean uh, I, if you go there you're gonna see all kinds of really interesting pictures of uh, just buildings these these a lot of them just really elegant uh, buildings from the 19th century some of them are more rustic sort of uh, houses uh, there's one post that I read recently. Um, I think it's called the Syrup People. Oh, the House of the Syrup Folk. <laughs> yes, the House of the Syrup Folk. That was a fun folk. explore. <laughs> and uh, and I just remember like reading about it and and it, tell us a little about about that. I mean, you 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 got you found this this uh, house this that looked like it was uh, totally abandoned. It was just kind of in the middle of the country, and there was there was this motorcycle that looked like it had a tree growing through it. It had a tree growing right through the tire. Actually, I had posted a photo on my Instagram account, and um, it's just incredible, like the other people in the photographer community or the explorer community that you'll meet, and they, a lot of times, have different information that they can add. And one guy had commented, it. he was like, oh, that's like a rare Czechoslovakian like motorbike from like the 1980s. I'm like, what? Like in Vermont? Like I, I had 
no idea. So that was really cool. Um, yeah, the House of the Syrup folk was an accidental find. I had someone message me on Facebook and they had sh- you know shown me a photo of that house. Like, oh, have you seen this place? I'm like, no. And, you know, this was a, a pretty Vermont explorer, so to speak. I mean, Vermont, we're not an industrialized state. We're known really for like our abandoned farmhouses. You know, we had definitely have just a more sort of like simplistic structures up here. And for a while I had sort of grown bored with it. So I was heading out of, out of state a lot to explore the bigger abandoned mineral springs hotels or insane asylums or really just whatever I can get my hands on. I was just, I was just hungry, you know, to have those experiences. And this was a pleasant surprise when someone had sent me the photo like, Oh, you need to check this out. And they gave me, you know, the address. So I did, I checked it out um, in like the dying days of August a few years ago. And I had brought a friend of mine there and you know, it was a pretty, it was a fairly big, like abandoned wooden farmhouse. um, And the craftsmanship was pretty impressive, you know, just like the subtle details and the architecture of the place. But there was something very wild and off-putting about it. As soon as we had pulled up the car, and we had gotten out and my sort of adventure, so to speak, began as soon as I set foot on the lawn, which was really just like a weed pit. <laughs> and I began slipping and sliding on like all these buried artifacts that like the lawn, you know, the woods had just consumed them. Like this old lazy boy chair. There was like, I don't know, like a weird collection of garden hoses, like 40 garden hoses. I didn't, <laughs> it was sort of weird. And like all these other weird things that I was just like banging my shins into and stuff. And I was just like, oh my God, like there's, I, I couldn't believe how much stuff there was on the lawn. And as I got closer, closer to the house, it was very evident that it had been abandoned, you know, for a long time, like the structure, I mean, parts of it were sort of detaching from each other, there was some holes in the walls, Um, the basement foundation was starting to give in, the windows were broken. So there was like telltale signs that this place was not inhabited. But there were some weird things that I immediately noticed, like a satellite dish, they had, um, there was a satellite dish that was hooked up to the side of the house. And I stopped it and was observing it. And it was shockingly like almost new, like brand new, it had to have been like a few months old. And I'm motioning to my friend who sort of like, he was a little hesitant on, you know, getting any closer to the house. And I yell out to him like, this is a new satellite dish, man. Like this is, I don't know, like I'm, I'm getting really like conflicting feelings right now. And I started noticing other signs of human habitation. There was a broken window, and a lot of the windows in the front of the house were broken, but someone had picked up the shards of glass from this old window, and they had put them in like in the slots like, around the window. They had set them there and sort of arranged them very neatly, and you know, I had never seen that before at all. Um, I don't know. It's hard to explain. I think when it comes to exploring, I myself try to gauge sort of something called like the reward to risk ratio. So I try to weigh out the situation as best as I can. And if the reward is greater than the risk, you know, I try to go for it. But if not, then I I like to think I use common sense and back off. And, um, you know, back to my prior point that I made, like every explorer is different. You know, everyone has different like codes of conducts and personalities. Um, I know quite a few people over the years who, I don't know, it's like they, they try to demonstrate like false bravado like i know a lot of people in like the internet urban exploring i don't know like archives or facebook pages it's like the braver you are the the quote-unquote cooler you are and that's not what it's about to me it's about having a good experience but also making it back in one piece because you want to have more experiences and i felt something just very weird about this house and I couldn't, you know, I couldn't explain it to myself or to my friend. It's like, I'm just getting like this really weird vibe right now. I don't feel comfortable here. Um, I, I can't back that up. I just feel like I need to leave. And eventually I decided to leave. And um, just as I was leaving, I looked up in one of the upper windows and like a colony of raccoons had been, you know, were peering out at me and like watching me go back towards the car and they ducked their heads back in. And, you know, like it was 
the house had imprinted itself in my mind as like one of my eerie, like the creepiest explorers I've been on to date. And it really, it vexed me, you know, cause I'm like, well, there's no reason for it. Like I've actually had, you know, really terrifying experiences before in other places that would warrant that feeling. But this house, I don't know. I didn't forget about it. And a year later I was talking to another buddy of mine and, um, we decided, you know, to, to take a trip back. I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Like, I wonder, like, I, I want to, I want to see this place again, and I want to see, like, what about it made me so scared? And we actually got inside this time, and it was, it was incredible. It was, I mean, the house was definitely old, built in the late 1800s, but the inside was a time capsule of when it had been sort of remodeled in the 1970s, or maybe even the late 60s. So you had like the garish, you know, typical like 70s wallpaper that was in like the walls, and you had like, you know, the, like shag carpeting and like you know just um one room in particular was the entire wall was plastered with pictures and newspaper clippings and uh, magazine printouts of celebrities from like the 60s and 70s and yeah i saw i saw like um there was like a bumper sticker or something i said uh, is elvis presley single again or something along those lines oh what did that say something something like that like or is elvis really dead or Right, know, something right. like a conspiracy sort of and, thing. And he had he had a bunch of pictures of people with bull haircuts, you know, from the sixties <laughs> and the seventies. Yeah, um, yeah. There was like Gordon Lightfoot, I think, was on the wall. Um, who else? Um, John Wayne. There was a picture of John Wayne. Like, d- definitely, there was like a motif of like country western um, stars of that era. So I think whoever was in charge of like the interior decor, I guess, really like those were his heroes or her heroes. Um, but there. There were, I mean, I remember seeing some pictures of this, and you can see it on the on the blog. I'll link to this particular one, but um, there was like Lego pieces. Oh, yeah, there was like a kids' room there. There was a lot of. Um, that's the thing about like you know exploring is you never know what is going to be left behind in any location that you explore. And this house was packed, you know, with personal belongings. Still, it's. You know, it almost like raises it just, I think it says a lot of just about like, you know, the human existence. It's like, why would someone actively like forsake this place and just leave all their belongings behind? And there's a story for every corner of the house, you know, and that's what I love about exploring so much. It's someone, you know, diagnosed, I have Asperger's, you know, and someone who has felt like I have never really understood myself or the world that I lived in. I think these explorers, ironically, they make me think a lot. And I, and I love philosophy and I love thinking. And it's, I, you know, it's almost like problem solving or putting to get together like a puzzle so every explorer that i have i like to feel like i take something from that and it maybe gives me a better understanding of the world i live in or maybe at least another question that i just haven't been able to answer but yeah no there was a lot of legos we actually um yeah we stepped on quite a few of them (laughs) they're still causing problems even years later i mean (laughs) i mean i saw legos i saw dolls i mean I guess oh, there what, was a room full of decapitated dolls' heads up at the second floor. We, we that, found like all we, these weird. That would dolls scare heads. the crap out of me. Yeah, it made for a great photo. So when I got beyond, like, oh, this is really you know creepy, and I'm like, oh wait, this would make an awesome photo. And you know, it's like sometimes it's funny, like your enthusiasm for a good photo can sometimes override those. Oh my god, like this is really sketchy sort of vibes. So it's I don't know, you have to be really devoted, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, like when I saw the picture, I, I, maybe it, it was because of the kids' artifact facts more than anything else it really makes me question what happened like why did the kid why did they leave all these toys all over the place like i mean did did someone just take these people away i mean like one moment they're there one moment they're not you know 
I mean, the way I saw things just kind of lying around like a box of Q-tips, like it's just yeah, like, there was still a bar on? of soap like in the bathroom, like just in its you know in its um in its holder. It was like an unused bar of soap that was still sitting there. I mean, we found um, I found I've been in houses before where we found beer still in the fridge and stuff like that. Like it's crazy. And what happens? Like someone someone had to have. It just my mind goes to morbid places you know it's like did someone die did uh, like what, oh, what yeah. happened you know i mean i in that particular house i don't know for a fact and that's sort of the mystery but you know actually i've explored you know abandoned houses before and um years down the road or you know at some point later on like the owner would <laughs> they had discovered my blog entry on it or something or they, you know they had figured out that i had explored it and you know they actually contact me and um, they actually they talked to me which is interesting and a lot of the times these old vermont farmhouses just become um condemned they just you know as the years go on they just get to a point where you can't live in it anymore it's falling down it needs a lot of work at least to sort of um just to keep the structure standing not, not even even to like renovate it but just right. to keep it and standing. it costs money to even tear down too so yeah there's a lot do. of vermont's sort of known for its building codes regulations and stuff like that and you know act 250 so you really have to adhere to a lot of standards to get it up to par and these old um especially like you know old vermont farming families um a lot of people in vermont you know are sort of around the poverty line and they can't afford that at all so that's unfortunately why a lot of these places sort of just go to the wayside it's just, just you know one way or another it's just they're condemned somehow and so the family you know a lot of times they just move on to another place i've been to other abandoned properties before where you see the original structure sort of falling down and then they plopped like a trailer or something just in the front yard and they live in the shadow of that and it's i don't know it's it's interesting actually that was the, i noticed from this particular post that there was actually a trailer there nearby oh, yeah that was um like an old camper from like the 70s and that was also very much abandoned like i uh, stuck my camera inside the door and i'm pretty sure there was like a bee's nest in there like i heard just a lot of buzzing and i, I saw a few hornets around there so i didn't want to get too close but it was pretty fetid inside and gross yeah so i mean have you had any uh, close calls i try to be as safe as i possibly can you i try to you know with the reward to risk ratio i try to assess the situation um especially you know testing floors before i go into a building right stuff like that i mean i try to wear boots when i explore um try to wear jeans or long pants and you know a long sleeve shirt you never know um i mean lead paint a rusty nail ticks especially especially if the place has sort of grown wild you, you can never be definitely too careful um so safety is pretty paramount i remember i was exploring a ghost town in upstate new york a few years ago and within five minutes of being there my friend had impaled himself in the foot with a nail and went all the way through his foot Ugh. and we had to cut the trip Did he get short a tetanus shot? yeah he we had to cut the trip short and go to uh, the nearest hospital <laughs> unfortunately yeah. so that's you know that's like a sobering reminder where it's just like you know even if you are careful stuff can still happen to you and i um I think my closest call was almost falling through a floor, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, there was this abandoned hotel I was talking to you about in uh, central Vermont, and it was the building that really got me into um, urban exploring. It's been a huge part of my life. And around 2011 or so, we were on the upper floors, you know, wandering around where the guest rooms were, and I was taking photos. And the building is a five-story wooden dinosaur of an affair. It's been abandoned since the 1970s, and the owners have not maintained it. So a lot of water damage and structural damage. And as I was going, I think I wanted to take a picture of a clawfoot tub, you know, that was almost perfectly intact. And I was inching over towards that bathroom, and my right leg just, I didn't i didn't even have time to react. It just, so I just fell, almost fell right through the floor. It was just my leg. Leg, thankfully like i didn't go all the way through but wow. i had to grip onto a radiator that was conveniently right by me and you know sort of pull myself out 
Um, but if I had had fallen all the way through, there would have been like a three-story drop down, you know? Yeah. Like, and, and who knows what you would have hit, like, or splintered on the way down. Oh, yeah, that definitely. I mean, it would have been disastrous, to say the least. And then I might have even, I don't know, I might have gone down into the basement because there was a big collapse in that part of the building recently as well. So, I mean, that, you know, the floor had already been weakened, but I probably would have fallen on the debris pile <laughs> from those rooms. Wow. <laughs> I mean, like, the basement would be one place that I would be... I guess if I were doing it, I, the basement would be like one place I would be like, hmm, is it really worth going down there <laughs> with all down. the mold and the, and <laughs> that was a, the that water? That was a scary idea, but oh my God. Like I did go down and actually in the basement and it was just, I don't know, it was a labyrinth of, I mean stone basement filled with things that like creeped and crawled the staircase wasn't even attached to anything like it was it wobbled like hell when we were going down and my first thought was like you know they built a staircase they didn't secure to the wall or to the floor it like it was you know beyond me but a lot of you know different parts of the basement had collapsed and some of the roof you know was slumping as well so it was it was quite a risky affair you know definitely and if anything were to happen to you down there no one probably would have found me like there was another post you made on your your site and it was actually a factory of some kind and it was a winter post and um was it the was dress the, factory uh, was it, it like been. an art deco building sort of it inside it looked more like almost like an airplane hangar inside there was there was these there was this room it looked like it was a, a file room and there were these just countless huge books all like all water damaged all over the place and yep i know what you're talking about now just and and these are records i mean these are records with people's names in them yeah you can find personal information on them and literally like just and like i mean legitimately like it was the company history right there like every move that they made all their finances their notes like everything was just there for anyone to see um, that was an abandoned railroad manufacturing and repair headquarters, actually, uh, down in southern New England. And yeah, like, I mean, the building was probably bigger than an airport hangar. It, it was humongous. Uh, when I was doing some research on the uh, forums, I noticed that there was a bit of a discussion or I guess, uh, you know, some people go one way, some people go another way when it comes to forcing entry into a, into a building because I mean this is definitely a question I had uh, looking at uh, looking at some of these buildings it's like well surely these these buildings must have locks on their doors like surely someone must have like for the sake of public safety and also to guard whatever is left in there stuck a lock on the door and so I mean I do some urban explorers break in for lack of a better word and do some urban explorers i guess wait until the the um structural integrity of the building becomes such that they can get in a different way yes to both actually and um some buildings are sealed up really well and actually surprisingly other buildings like the um aforementioned railroad manufacturing headquarters was wide open so i guess it really it depends on the property owner maybe in the community that's it's in that it's in um I think every every explorer I feel has a different code of conduct or a different we'll call it like a comfort level and it doesn't necessarily mean it aligns with like intelligent ideas but definitely a different level of comfort so me personally I will not break and enter into a building if um, if there is already a way into the building if someone else before has opened a door or a window or any sort of accessible you know like an entry point like I will take that but if you do I mean a lot of times urban exploring is trespassing and people who are in these uh, abandoned buildings 
know that and they willingly accept that risk to explore them, you know, or they wouldn't do it. And if you're caught inside an abandoned building, you know, by a cop or a disgruntled property owner or something, I feel that I would rather only have, you know, like a trespassing charge, you know, like added up against me as opposed to like a breaking and entering charge, which is actually a crime, you know, and it's sort of like in, in today's day and age, unfortunately, it's more um, like curiosity, unfortunately, is considered a crime. And um, a lot of people don't understand like why people like myself like, you know, quote unquote, hanging out in abandoned buildings. Some people see that as a suspicious activity. But, you know, at the end of the day, I would rather definitely be in trouble just for taking a few pictures than as opposed to actually vandalizing or breaking and entering. Um, I find that a lot of people, unfortunately, abandoned buildings draw you know like some unsavory crowds you know just some very dis disrespectful people and they view these places as wrong you know they're very wrong to view them as this but like law free zones you know like oh I'm in this old factory that no one cares about anymore I can do whatever I want here and that's not the case because a lot of times it's owned by someone you know like someone is paying taxes on the building and it's his legal responsibility so if he calls the cops you know they're they're in trouble definitely and so you never know like if you're inside an abandoned building, whether it's if it's another urban explorer that you meet across, or you know some stupid kids, or um, you know whoever, like maybe it's like a transient, you know, homeless guy or something, you never know like where their heads at, you know, what sort of person they are, how they react. Um, you know, ironically enough, urban exploring I feel has taught me a great deal of um, social engineering, and I'm a pretty socially awkward, like introverted guy as well. I definitely, I don't know, like I definitely keep to myself more. Um, but I've learned over the years just sort of how to communicate with people, whether it is like a property owner or a police officer or meeting someone else inside a building. It really teaches you, um, I don't know, it teaches you people skills. And that's actually been incredibly valuable. Um, I've had some pretty shaky experiences as well. Like I've been held at gunpoint before. Wow. Yeah. That's... What was that all about? <laughs> so you actually met somebody. So you actually got to the building and was it a... a a security guard or was it just whoever was at the building oh it depends on which time i've been, <laughs> <laughs> I've been held at gunpoint more than uh more than once and i guess wow i completely diverted i feel from your original question but um, <laughs> um there was one in particular time I'll, i guess i'll get on i was exploring an abandoned lead mine and this was a phenomenal explore like this huge industrial wasteland in completely rural upstate new york and this retired police officer was known to sort of for whatever reason his hobby was patrolling the property day and night in his truck. He'd just drive around the perimeter, and if he caught anyone, he'd, you know, essentially, like, confront them and cause, like, a whole bunch of trouble. And he, you know, he did catch us. We thought we were being really savvy, too. We parked about, like, a mile away, and we walked into the woods thinking, like, oh, like, you know, there's no way he'll catch us now if we're, if we're careful. And we get back to the car, and just as we, as we were sort of, like, you know, like, ah, oh, we made it, he sees us, and he barrels down the hill. He was hiding in the woods and waiting for us. And when he saw us, he barreled down the hill, and he blocked us in. And, you know, he gets out, and he has, like, a rifle, and he's, like, aiming it at us. And he starts, like, immediately questioning us you know it's he was all spitfire like were you in the old mine and you know like what are you doing here and i want to know all your names and i'm a cop and i'm you know i'm gonna get all my cop friends like on the phone right now and they're gonna unpound your car and blah 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 so um you know like you really just you have to sort of diffuse the situation as best as you can and there isn't a guarantee either you know you could try your best and in this case it happened to work but you know like just I mean, you know, body language, you know, how you smile, your tone of voice, how you present yourself is incredibly critical in urban exploring, you know, definitely. So I, I think it's definitely the difference between, you know, someone like me who or, you know, versus someone who's there to break and enter and, you know, like 
don't know, like cause destruction and stuff like that. You know, because if I was a property owner and let's say I had like this abandoned building on my property and it, it is a hazard, unfortunately, if someone gets hurt like in on your property, like you're legally responsible and I would be, you know, I, I'd be a little disturbed too. I'd probably be a little paranoid as well. So wouldn't it make me feel any better if you know someone was there breaking my windows just to get in as opposed to you know catching <laughs> someone with like a camera? You know, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> like a motto, so to speak, in, of urban exploring is um, take only photos and leave only footsteps. And it's really just, it's a code of ethics thing, you know, because I feel these locations are really special. You know, even though they're like smelly old abandoned buildings or really any, you know, any forsaken site. It could be a bridge, a building, a tunnel, you know, whatever. But they're special. And a lot of explorers like myself, you know, we do grow fond, like emotionally attached to these locations. And you, you know, you want to see them respected and preserved. You know, you don't want to see them go down to the wayside. And unfortunately, these people who don't adhere to these rules, who are there to break and enter or use them as law-free zones. I mean, I saw one of my favorite, like my favorite place, you know, my favorite explorer I've ever explored. <laughs> um, I saw, you know, it was ruined. Uh, over the years, it started drawing bigger crowds. People, you know, started going there and graffitiing it and looting it and stuff like that. And you know, eventually, it brings attention not only to the building but to our hobby. And then people sort of misrepresent, I think, urban explorers, you know, as, as hoodlums or troublemakers. And that's not the case at all. And unfortunately, it's like a few bad people that really spoil it. Um, you know, but not only that, it's just like you know, once a place is destroyed, either by vandalism or neglect, then you have a property owner that maybe seals it up even more, or hires a security guard, or something like that. Um, so. It's, I don't know, I, re- I really try to be uh, respectful and just, um, and just respectful and just very low key when I go to some of these places because it's important to me, you know? Cool. Thanks so much for being on the show, Chad. Oh, thank you for this great opportunity, man. It means a lot. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you'd like to listen to previous episodes, go to the shareslicepodcast.com website or subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks so much to Chad for sharing some of his stories. Remember, you can find a link to his House of the Serp Folk post in the show notes. There are many other fantastic stories there as well, so please go check it out. As always, the intro and outro music is by Chromatics Music and is used with permission. Links to their songs are found in the show notes. If you like this show, please give it a five-star rating on iTunes or leave it a review. It really, really helps. So thanks so much for listening, and I hope you'll be back next week. <laughs>